another episode of Connect with Lacey Nelson. And on today's episode, we are taking a tough stance on animal abuse, a topic that we're all very passionate about. And if you're watching us live on Rad TV, thank you for joining us. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions or comments that you might have to rad at radradio.com. That's rad at radradio.com. And now, without further ado, your host, Lacey Nelson. Thank you, Brandon. Good morning, everyone. If uh, you're joining us, like Brandon said, please write in with comments or questions as we go. If you are passionate about animals and love dogs, cats, rabbits, it doesn't matter what kind of animal that you love, uh, these two gals here with us today are going to talk about some pretty amazing things in our local community, Sacramento. But this kind of stuff should reach everyone if you're listening even from another state um, because taking a stance on animal abuse should be more important to everyone. Um, Hillary Bagley with us today is a retired deputy district attorney from Sacramento County who specialized and focused a lot of her career in trying and convicting some pretty serious animal abuse type cases. So we're going to talk to her about some of that today. And then we have Annette Bedsworth, who is the new director of animal care for Sacramento County. And she's going to talk about some of her experience and how people can get involved. Um, Just to give you guys a little bit of a recap, if you are tuning in today for the first time, two weeks ago, we had a great Connect episode um, about fentanyl awareness, especially with our youth and how that's affecting folks. And you can find that um, podcast on both channels for Rad Radio as well as myself. And we'll give you some information at the end of this podcast on exactly where to tune in for that. But Connect is a model that I started um, trying to think of how can we get our world in a better place than where we are and the direction that we've been going. Uh, I'm sure most of you can agree with me that the last handful of years, things have been looking pretty doom and gloom, and I'm pretty much tired of that. So CONNECT stands for Communication, Openness, Neutrality, Nurturing, Education, Courage, Transparency. That is what we all need to do in order to make the world a better place. And when when I give those pillars of the model of CONNECT, it requires everyone on every side to do this. So If you're running a business and you're the CEO of a large company, you have to do all those things. Your employees have to do all those things. That's how you become successful. If you're in a marriage or a relationship, you have to do those things. Your partner has to do those things. If you're in law enforcement with the community, same thing. How do we bridge the gap of the world? We have to connect. And each one of those pillars are things that we all have to do every six Every one of those six things, you can't miss out on one of those. We all have to connect in all those different ways to make our world a better place and to make our relationships with one another stronger, healthier, and more positive. So if you have questions about my model and would like to bring it to schools or your businesses, please reach out. Um, This is how we make our world better. So that is my focus. Without more of that right now, we're going to go right into this conversation. Hillary, I'm going to start with you. Give us a little background um, about your experiences with the DA's office, how you came to be so known for trying animal abuse cases. Um, I started actually with animal advocacy several years before I became a prosecutor, and I had the time to devote to it after law school. And so I started working with various groups, and I started working on various proposals, whether it be 
anti-pound seizure back in the 80s. I graduated from law school in 85. Back in the 80s, the pounds were selling pound animals to research labs at UCD for $5 a piece. This was not research that was considered valuable research. Just the dregs of research are funded by National Institute of Health. And I'm not trying to be an anti-vivisectionist. I'm just giving the facts as they were. It was pretty crude research. And I know that because we did a freedom of information request and learned all about it at that time. So I was involved in that group. I was involved with seeking for the shelters to change their mode of euthanasia back then. They were using a carbon monoxide chamber, and uh, it was quite barbaric. And there was a movement that we should go to lethal injection, which we've been using for many, many years now. But, of course, um, at that point in time, the city and county, particularly the county, was certainly not ready to switch over. So I had authored a volunteer proposal, which was rejected. But both of those things, pound seizure as well as lethal injection euthanasia, changed in about 10 years after we started the movement. So it was really, some of it was education. I'm a strong believer in education and being ahead of the eight ball instead of behind it. So that's kind of where it started. I did a lot of work. I was volunteering at a shelter here in town in Sacramento. Soon I was on a board. Then I became a prosecutor. And from then, from that point forward for the last 30 years um, before I retired, I grabbed every animal abuse case I could, whether I be in misdemeanors. In 1990, I had my first animal abuse case. It involved a, a hoarder, a female, elderly female who had about, I can't remember how many Siamese cats in cages, tenfold in each cage, I think. And um, as I worked through the DA's office and the various teams, vertical teams, as well as the felony teams, I always tried to hear about and grab the opportunity to take an animal abuse case. And back then, there weren't that many. And you'd hear about them. And of course, I had a preference for the felony once because I was in felony land at that time. And so that's how it started. Okay. So did you not hear about them because they were being unreported back then, do you think? or Everything. Okay. Everything was weak, whether it was the neighbors not reporting it or whether it was a lack of response by law enforcement or a lack of response by animal control. And a lot of that still occurs today. There are still flaws and weaknesses that need to be worked on. But back then, certainly it was far weaker than it is today. And, you know, you're talking about things like someone has a mental health issue, like they hoard animals. Okay, so obviously still needs to be tried and dealt with. Um, But you're also talking really extreme cases where people are just downright abusing animals. Horrible. Horrible stuff. Horrific stuff. And uh, I know that you're quite the spitfire because working with you in law enforcement, you being the DA at the time, you know, when you were still working, uh, your knowledge is through the roof. And we would call you with millions of questions all the time. So and I remember having some trainings with you coming in and talking about some of the cases that you tried and convicted. Um, let's just say, for instance, what is tell us about a case that you maybe got the most somebody the most time and what happened um well i i think that the most would be 15 maybe 15 years sometimes they can go up to 20 years 10 years i mean it depends on the judge you get it depends on how good the investigation was how much evidence you have and it helps to have 30 years under your belt 
and it helps to have a ton of jury trial, felony jury trial experience. I can't even emphasize that enough. If you're a prosecutor, you're only as good as how many cases you have tried and how much experience you have across the street from the office. And if you're behind your desk pushing paper and then resolving them as they get closer to trial, that's really not the way the system is supposed to work. Mm. The longer you have that case, the higher that offer should be. And I don't want to get into all the dynamics of being a district attorney, but if you have over 100 felony trials under your belt, you've seen just about every legal issue. You know how to brief it. You know all the judges. You know the court personnel. And it just helps to have that experience. Then when you go into an, a specialty, whether it's child molest, rape, it doesn't matter, murder, gangs, and you work through all those vertical units, all that experience, that it opens up different areas of law. So once you've kind of weave through all those different teams and you end up with what you want, which for me was animal abuse. I had begged for a unit. I had bitched for a unit. I had, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you, tried to barter for to have the unit and I finally got it. So you were facing a lot of resistance trying to start an animal abuse unit. They didn't feel it was warranted. They didn't, and I was already a, uh, this, I was already a six, a principal attorney, like a supervisor. They didn't feel it was warranted until a bureau chief at the office put together a spreadsheet and showed how many different types of animal abuse were coming in and how inconsistent all the resolutions were. You know, we have a ban in California. If you commit felony animal abuse, you are banned from having animals for 10 years. Misdemeanor conviction is five years. And there were so many inconsistencies in the resolutions as any any DA touched a case, it just wasn't consistent. It wasn't the way you need fairness in the court system. So that helped a lot. And that then at that point, it was warranted. And they knew, I had told them, I'll work in a cubicle. I don't even need an office. Just just give this to me. And I, and I have to go out and train officers. I've got to get encourage animal control. I've got to do all this other side work. And then they said, well, you also get a task force. So then it was a matter of um, organizing all the agencies. And of course, we had a lot of interest. We had interest from out of county. El Dorado mm-hmm. would come to our meetings. Various outside agencies wanted to be part of it. We had Elk Grove. We had everyone. So what started out as rather small, when you retired, eventually you were exclusively trying animal abuse cases. Yep. That's how many we have. Yeah, we had a lot. I always kept I kept it very robust, healthy caseload. We had no less than 40 felony convictions after three years by the time I retired. I had a wonderful investigator who triaged and refined cases that would come in from agencies because you have to understand they're not investigators. They're not. Animal control officers are not trained, and they're not always encouraged to do that level of investigation. They're not used to doing search warrants. They're not used to writing reports, and they don't have that comfort zone. And to build up that comfort zone is very tough. And then to get law enforcement to respond and train them and a lot of those folks not law enforcement not every officer has an affinity for animals Mm -hmm. and so you have to approach them some other way and you have to explain look if i tell you you bring this into me and if i promise you i'm going to get this and i'm going to get this guy to prison or i'm going to get up strike when they use a weapon on an animal or a stick or whatever they're using if i promise you that i will do it and then it helps to know their their lieutenant and their sergeant who says, if Hillary says that, she means it. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody gets on board with you. Yeah. And that's absolutely it's, what happens. It really has to be that level of encouragement and experience. And, and yeah. you know, Annette, 
you're in Sacramento County now. Mm-hmm. When did you start here? I started here on Valentine's Day this year. Okay, so just recently. Welcome. Very recent. Um, yes. Where'd you come from? Which county? I came from Stanislaus. Stanislaus. And have you, in the counties that you've worked or experienced, found another DA as passionate and driven as Hillary with this stuff? Oh, no. No. Okay. So it's such an honor. And just, she, I'm thankful that she had the persistence that she did mm-hmm. um, as you hear her speak and her voice to bring that uh, together that task force she was very well known even in other counties up and down the state okay uh, very well respected that sacramento county named hillary as this lead uh, attorney under the da's office to prosecute these cases because otherwise you know animal services um i think we've come a long ways but it's always just been kind of tucked under as she mentioned you know there's probably not that need for that there's probably not that need for that which when hillary's really bring to light i think to not just the county of Sacramento, but other counties as well. This is needed, and uh, we need to take note that this is important. And you, so coming from Stanislaw, like you said, everybody kind of knows who she is. Oh, absolutely. Because when I reached out to you to do the absolutely. podcast today, I said, Hillary Bagley's coming. You said, oh, okay. Well, absolutely. It's an honor to be here sitting next to the best of the best. It, uh, absolutely. And speaking against uh, something that most people don't like speaking about. And that's, that's a hard you know, topic. Animal, it is a hot topic hard topic and I think she saw all the dark and gloomy side of things and uh, I don't know how she did it because that's very difficult to maintain I see more of the unintentional I call it the unintentional animal abuse which I still see today uh, in this day and age and I think that a lot of that could be prevented that's the majority of the I call it the unintentional animal abuse and what I mean by that is there's so many times that um you hear people say, well, I put my animal in a car and the window was rolled down. Well, it's rolled down half an inch. Hmm. So put yourself in the car as a human and roll your window down a half an inch and think if you could breathe or survive in your car, right? Right. Um, if you saw a child in the back seat of a car with the window rolled down a half an inch in the heat, do you think you'd call law enforcement? Right. Yeah, you would. So I want people to note that when they do that with an animal, that... Or if you see that with an animal, you should be calling law enforcement. Absolutely. Agreed. And as a citizen, you know, um, yes, calling law enforcement and in law enforcement, those calls have to be triaged, you know, and I, I don't know if anybody's aware of this, but there's um, not a whole lot of people who want to be cops anymore. Uh, <laughs> we won't get into that, but we're short staffed and getting to those uh, those animal abuse calls, sometimes, you know, they don't get, we don't get there fast enough. Uh, you know, we have other i don't they're not necessarily more important but we're you're talking human to human right. criminal situations and so if you're a citizen out there and you see this and you have to you know act you know i would say break the window yeah be use your discretion whatever yes. you have to do but you're saving a life um absolutely call law enforcement first and, and let us try to get there and, and and be the bearer of you know bad news or handle the situation you know as, as we see fit go ahead brandon so i was curious just hearing everybody's stories so far um I, i'm curious why it's so why do you think it's so difficult to bridge the gap of concern for animals versus humans when it comes to the, the enforcement of everything hillary yeah. i mean you've got there's a lack of education there's yes. a lack of concern I don't think that we emphasize the value enough. So it's very easy to walk away from it, mm. not call it in, not respond to it, not care about it. 
And when we have a community that is as animal saturated as what we have become, because the breeding is out of control and there's an excess and there's a surplus. And if you don't, if you're tired of your animal in six months, you can give it up and find a new one. That inherent value is lost. Mm. And it's going to take a lot to get it back. So the lack of concern, the apathy is what you're saying. The people that are dedicated are so burnt and they're out there and they're doing the rescue and they're doing the lost and found and they're advocating and they're encountering resistance because it becomes a job for some people and then they look for less work when it becomes a chore and a job. So there's just so many tentacles to this. But I always say the bottom line is educating the masses, whether it starts in the schools, after school programs. You know, when I was, I'm old. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> closer to 70 than I am to 60. And back then, SPCA, SPCA used to come out to the schools in Sacramento. Sacramento City Unified, we had at least that much education. We have nothing. We have absolutely nothing. The shelters don't do it. SPCA isn't doing it. There's just a certain level of education we have to meet if we're going to saturate the community and we're all going to want cats and dogs. And we're not doing it. It, so, seems, it seems wild to me because people, the, the fact that we need to educate the compassion for animals where I guess the majority of people probably can consider animals as a possession, as, as a commodity exactly. rather yeah. than a life. Than a family member. Right. I mean, most of us who are pet owners, all of us in this room are pet owners. We think of them as our family. Mm -hmm. I kind of joke and say it's our fur family members. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they are family members to all of us. And I have to totally agree. It's the education is not out there. And I think as an animal welfare culture, we don't do a good enough job with educating the community. I mean, we should have billboards, right? Everywhere, up and down the nation, I always say, of promoting spay and neuter, promoting anything and everything about our animals, where you should go to adopt animals, which is shelters. I mean, believe it or not, some people don't even realize that's where you should go. It's not the neighbor down the street who's breeding animals. It's a shelter. Go save a life. And I truly mean that. If you want to save a life, you should be going to an animal shelter. And I don't want to sound like the old messaging from Bob Barker, but it's true. true. Spay and neuter your pets, please. I mean, even educated people, my friends are like, oh, but he's so cute. To see, you know, Fluffy have puppies. I'm like, did you just say that to me? (laughs) Please. No, it's not cute. If you think it's cute, watch it on YouTube. But please go spay and neuter your your pet. Because in reality is, well, the excuses I hear is, well, we got rid of all the puppies to family and friends or whatever. Yeah, but you just gave away six puppies that are not spayed or neutered or vaccinated. They're going to reproduce. And then that populates our shelters. Mm -hmm. Because I can assure you right now, Uh, our shelters up and down the state of California. I'm not in direct competition with shelters. We are not. We're this about the animals. So if you, yes, I want you to adopt an animal for me, Bradshaw Animal Shelter, Sacramento County. But I have the same concern for Stockton, Modesto, Merced, Kern, all my friends down there who are running shelters. They're all full of animals. Um, So please adopt from a shelter. Please quit increasing the breeding that is going on in the community because it's it's not right. It's just overpopulating. And Annette, I, I saw recently on Facebook one of the shelters, and I, I'm thinking it was yours, there was like a, like this little gauge of we're full. Like we're so full that yes. we are um, at at like an emergency capacity. Yes. So is that 
We are. We are in emergency capacity. And it's unfortunate because we I feel like we're continuously saying that, right, that same message. And this month is Clear the Shelter Month, which historically has always been such a big deal. You were able to clear your shelters with adopters. Um, but everybody is doing it this month, this Clear the Shelter Month. It's sponsored by NBC. So we're hoping to see the animals do um, go home um, as they should, and that's what we want them to do. But and yeah. the reminder with that is if you go get an animal, you're keeping that animal for its life. Please. You know, it's not like uh, Hillary said, a six-month thing, and then you get to give it back. If you get this pet, it's you keep this pet. It, you know, and make sure that if you have other pets or you have children that they can cohabitate and they get along before you adopt the pet and take it home instead of bringing it home and finding out a few months down the road that not everybody gets along. There are going to be those cases where they're just simply not, even though you've done all your checks and balances and, and the shelters understand that, you know, things happen, right. um, you know, or the animal, you know, needs extra special care and attention mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. Um, it's not a perfect system, but make sure your animals are getting along. Make sure your kids can handle a small animal. Um, some young kids can't handle a small animal, you know, or any animal for that matter. And, and understand that before you get the animal, because it's not the animal or the child's fault. It's your fault. You, be the adult right. and, and facilitate that bond. Um, but yeah, if, if you are in a place to be able to get an animal, go, please go get one. Please. And if you have an animal at home that you're worried about getting along, as Lacey mentioned, bring your animal with you to the shelter. We'd be more than happy to facilitate that meet and greet. Uh, we want that. We want the family members to come. And because you're right, think about this from a um, animals have an emotional state. I know we talk about that in humans, but animals do too. So think about what you're doing to that animal. If you come down after you listen to this podcast and go, oh, I'm so excited. I think I'll go down to Bradshaw Animal Shelter and adopt a pet. And you come down, you meet Fluffy, you adopt a pet, you take him home. He's out of the shelter environment, which I remind you, a shelter environment, it's very scary for a pet. Very scary. There's hundreds of animals there each and every day. So they go home to this family environment. Everybody's happy. And then things don't work out. And then you bring him back to the shelter. And so his emotional stat just went down. It's shocking. Uh, it's, it's you know, they they do have feelings, animals. So... I would rather you come and adopt from our shelter if you're truly going to be a responsible pet owner. I mm-hmm. don't want you to come down just because you think it's really, really cool, and then we end up with that animal back again. I can't imagine that, so. you know, uh, as much of an animal lover as I am, I couldn't do what you do, Hillary. I couldn't do what you do, Annette, because just when I go to the shelter to do um, videos with pets or or just work-related or what whatever the case, it breaks my heart to see these animals. You know, the cats cats are pretty resilient. You know, you have, a, I, I have a couple of cats and, and these little suckers are resilient creatures, you know, but even still they have the feelings, but to see the dogs in the crates and the cages, and you guys are doing such a phenomenal job with them as much as you can with what you're given. Um, like she said, if you take that dog home, give it some time. It needs a little bit of time as you would, if you were removed from a scary environment, put into a different environment, it might take you a couple of months to adjust. Um, the dog is the same way. So bring it home. Don't give up on it right away. Get it some training. Give it some time. Let it become acclimated to its new environment and then see where it goes from there. Yeah, let the pet decompress. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you'll never regret if you adopt a pet from a shelter. No, ever. I have two. Me too. Yeah, I have two. And yeah. I just, the shelter is the best place. Um, 
for these animals. We we have we can meet everybody's needs, right? There's some people who want just puppies. Yes, we have puppies. You just have to continuously check the website. Do we have German Shepherds? Yes, we have amazing German Shepherds. Uh, right now, we have a high number of German Shepherds in shelters up and down the state. Um, they're beautiful, beautiful animals, and they're smart, right? That's why law enforcement uses them as canine uh, dogs, because they are the, the smartest. And I was raised with German Shepherds, so I'm kind of... Um, why do you yeah. think the influx yeah. is with German Shepherds? Is it because they're just not, there's they're too much to handle for some families? You know, um, this will be my personal comment on that because in the shelters we've seen, right, um, Chihuahuas at one time was just overflowing in shelters. Mm-hmm. We don't see that anymore, right? But it was that mm-hmm. big hype when certain celebrities had these little purse dogs. Yo Kiero cool. Taco Bell. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Um, so, you know, everybody was breeding Chihuahuas. And now chihuahuas are very easy for us. We're not highly popular with chihuahuas because oh. a lot of people, uh, they're not being overbred for one, number one. And secondly, people like little small dogs to adopt. So those are easier to adopt. And then you had your pit bulls mm-hmm. uh, that were at bigger influx. And right now we have um, just an abundance of German shepherds. And I want to say, I think, I don't know, there's no data supporting this idea, but during COVID, most of us shelters were able to clear out the shelters, right? Everybody was at home. They were working from home. So they came, got shelter pets, mm-hmm. adopted shelter pets, and they saw how successful shelters were doing. So I think there was breeding of German Shepherds out there. I really, truly do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people realized, oh, th- these are these are work. And maybe it's not so easy just to make some money and breed German Shepherds. And so that's why you're seeing the influx. I have... Uh, I always have like a shelter favorite. So I have to tell you, I just have to put a little plug in for my dog, Boomer. He's a German <laughs> shepherd. He's at the shelter. I see him every day. I always have my favorites and I want Boomer to find a home. He's a German shepherd. He gets walked every single day by our great volunteer team at Bradshaw Animal Shelter. Um, I can't speak enough about Boomer. I'm hoping he finds his home soon. He's been at the shelter since March. But Poor he's baby. a good boy. He really is a good boy. He has no issues whatsoever. He's neutered. He's vaccinated. He's just looking for a home. And a lot of times, if you're not familiar with large dogs, because once you own one, you'll never go back, they want to be lap dogs. They I mean, do. they're the sweetest, biggest babies mm-hmm. that you can ever imagine. I mean, I have one at home, and he just wants to, when I get home, lay on my lap. I'm like, really? <laughs> you got to have a lap dog. Okay. Here you go, but well, we'll get um, some pictures of Boomer, and I'll I'll plug it in yes. the video. See if we can't get Boomer at home. There's um, so many exciting things going on in a, in a shelter environment in this day and age. I mean, we're a long time over from those days of being called the pound. We are the shelter, and I think the success here in Sacramento County is really attributed to multi facets hap- facet is happening, and one is the community. Sacramento County is an amazing community that supports animals. They are animal lovers here. The other is the amazing volunteers. Mm-hmm. We have an amazing number of volunteers at the Bradshaw Animal Shelter. I have people that come every day before we open to the public. They're there every night after work. They come by just to make sure all our dogs get walked. That's amazing. It is truly before, amazing. Before we close out today, and then especially at the end, we're going to put some links um, how people can apply to do that or contact. Oh, um, great. You know, because I would love for more people to sign up for that, you know, just get these animals out having a good time. Um, you know, and I just had a question. It came to me, Hillary, when animals are seized from these abuse cases, where do they go? 
Well, generally they go back to animal control. So they would go back to a nuts And they're, technically they're evidence. You have to understand that. But what happens is under the seizure laws, if they are under suspicion of abuse or neglect and that animal is taken in, especially for medical, to be checked out, and if there's a case pending and they're under investigation, we're going to hang on to that case. And they're going to get a notice that... They're going to forfeit their ownership rights if they don't pay all the fees, all the boarding, all the meds in that first 14 days. They're going to get a certified letter of that. And if they don't pay it, then it is forfeited. They're under investigation, and the county owns that animal. Good, so then now, they can become adopted. I've seen people come in and pay that nice, steep bill, and they maintain an ownership interest in that animal until the duration of that case. But... Remember what happens when and if they're convicted, whether it's by jury or plea, that ban takes place. They're not getting that animal back and they don't have a stake or an opinion of where that animal will go. It's not going to go to their wife or their aunt or anyone else so they can end up getting it back into their home. You abuse the animal, can't have an animal, let's say it's a felony, can't have an animal for 10 years and you've paid your two weeks of fees. You can't have that animal, and it's going to go back to the shelter. And then it can be socialized and adopted out. Well, that's that's always our goal always with those animals. Goal, yes. And, you know, Hillary, if you could tell us a case, maybe a case, um, that really stayed with you throughout the years, something that really was pretty deep for you. Well, I've had some big ones, really horrible cases. Um, and, you know, there are so many cases right now that stem from methamphetamine abuse, use, binging, you know, whether you're irritable because you've been up four days straight and now you want to crash and your animal's neglected and you're cranky. I mean, it's, that's a drug-induced or whether it's psychosis or anything else, I see so much abuse from that. Um, so when you have that type of abuse and you also have a person that tends to be sadistic or he's a rageaholic or he's kind of a DV kind of guy. You align those stars up with all five of those different categories of problems, then you see some of your worst, your very, very worst abuse. And I'll clarify, DV, domestic violence type domestic, of guy. So yeah. for our listeners, uh, when she says that, it's it's the guy who's typically violent anyway, probably with women and children. Well, and- if he's beaten his wife, he's beaten the dog. If he's beaten the kids, he's beaten the dog. If, he's, if he doesn't understand animals and he thinks that he can discipline excessively, he's going to kick the dog, he's going to punch the dog. I mean, it it's just, it all goes hand in hand, and that's been studied for many, many years, probably close to 40 years now. It's called the link. You can look it up online. There's a multitude of statistics on it. But um, we've had cases, we've had a torture in the last 10 years. We've had a, a person who's a young guy with no record at all, and he was just a torturer of animals, and he's in prison for 10 years, he would have gone higher than that if he didn't want to take what was offered to him. The goal with a person like that, because he was a baby killer waiting to happen. I mean, there's just no doubt in my mind. Um, the goal there is to strike him out. Okay. So if I can get him to prison and I can get two strikes on him, and it has to be pled a particular way so that those strikes occur on different days and totally separate incidents. And of course, he had a multitude of different things he was doing to animals. He killed two dogs that were owned by his girlfriend. But there is a case where 
He was a torture. There's no doubt he admitted being a torture. He wanted to revive them after he did these horrible things. But he also was very jealous that her love for him was divided up. And that's why you also see an increase in DV when a woman gets pregnant, if they're, if they're with that type of man. And it's very similar. Uh, you bring a puppy home. I've seen DV victims. You bring a puppy home, and he's upset that he, you're dividing. His, his attention that he normally gets, gets now is, is being deflected, and the animal's getting some of that love and attention, and they don't like that. So I had a case several years ago that ended up in trial. He went away for 15 years. He was also struck out, and he was on methamphetamine. He was an abuser. When we pulled up all of his prior offenses, um, it was very clear that he had at one point even attempted a, a, a murder-suicide with his ex-wife. And we just have, it was a Bradshaw case. We just happened to get the animal, thank God, a month before a different animal control officer had been at his door and left him with the animal. Mm. And in that 30-day period, the animal suffered a tremendous number of fractures around its head. It was a very large dog. So the investigation started. We just didn't really understand. I mean, we just were, I was in homicide. We were just working up this one, this one dog, and I knew there were a lot of fractures. And he was also on meth. And so a lot of the tweakers that were crashed at his house came forward, and they were mainly women. And these were tough gals. I mean, these gals had been on the street a long time. One of them had been raised with Hells Angels. I mean, these, and they were all very cooperative. And they said, look, he's got seven dogs buried in his backyard. He's been killing dogs for a while. And his mother had been bringing dogs to him because it was much cheaper for her to have to deal with this type of rage on an animal rather than him beating his wife and having to bail him out. So she was all too happy to just supply him with animals. And women were coming forward saying, I witnessed this, I witnessed that. So we ended up in Judge White's court. He was sentenced, and Judge White said, if I could sentence you to more, I would. And he you got know, ten. you have a dark side and a demon to you, and I hope you deal with it where you're going. That's just so insane. It was just a horrendous case. I, mean, I haven't even gone into the details of mm-hmm. it. It wasn't handled properly initially. <clears throat> Thank goodness I had a really good animal control officer seize the dog that day. I, I, it's just almost a godsend that we were able to get that animal out. Once we had the conviction and he went away, we had the dog and animal control was completely bonded to this animal. It had been out there for months. And so I had written a letter and included the press releases and the, the B articles and the photographs of before and after of the injuries. It was horrendous. The dog had been chemically burned. Hey, everything you could do to a dog he was doing. And uh, we sent a huge press packet down to Caesar Milan. Can you help us try to place this animal? This is about a 140-pound pit bull. I mean, wow. his head was massive. The radiologist testified, you cannot create these fractures by kicking or punching an animal. Someone used something on this animal to cause these jaw and orbital fractures because Jesus. the bones are so dense in this head. It was, his head was so large. His name was Bubba. So uh, it just so happened that when... Caesar Milan's crew received the letter and all the pictures. They were tra- training Marley's mutts. Mm. They were down there training it in his compound, and they took one look, and they said, we want this dog. We want this dog to be our mascot. And so they came up to Sacramento, met the dog in my backyard with the animal control officer on the case, and that was love. it was just love at first sight for this particular person who was working for Marley's mutts. Years later, and he had him until he died of cancer. Years later, he said, Hillary, he stopped eating. And I took him in, and there were bones in the back of his eye 
that were pressing on a nerve. And so the vet came in and just took out the eye and cleaned out the wounds. And then he was he stitched the eye shut. But I mean, his injuries were so extensive. It was it was horrendous. But that I mean, that's what you get when you have a sadistic person owning a dog and you have all these horrible different aspects that can cause abuse and they are all working together. And we don't, I don't want our listeners and viewers to think, oh, we like listening to these graphic, crazy stories. The the point of having Hillary talk about some of these cases is to open your eyes and get you to hear and listen as to what is happening out there so that you might develop a passion of your own to potentially either foster, adopt, maybe get involved with the prosecutor's office if you don't know what your path is next. I mean, this is an option. Um, somebody like Hillary in her position. So, and just to hear how amazing to know that this person received the most sentence possible. You know, and the other part to that story, Hillary, is this dog was a pit bull, right? I love so pit bulls. Our pit bulls get bad names. You know, um, when you were talking about chihuahuas and pits, you know, we have a chihuahua and we have a pit. And we always tease that you have to really watch out for our chihuahua because <laughs> the pit, we nicknamed him, his name is Smokey, but we nicknamed him Sir Licks a lot. Okay, my cousin, because that guy will lick you until his face hurts. Um, you know, our chihuahua will probably get you on the ankle, but pits get a bad name. They're really beautiful, amazing, sweet dogs. You know, and I always said if I got a pit, I would get him from puppy just to make sure. And I didn't get mine from a puppy, and clearly Bubba wasn't a puppy when they got him. Oh, he was one of the largest, most mellow dogs, mellower than a lot that I've had. I've had pit bulls since the 80s. And you know, I never know what I'm going to get because I'm doing rescue with them. Mm-hmm. Um, some are great. Some are far too damaged, mm-hmm. you know. But um, he was fantastic. It's amazing. I wish I could have taken him. I already had two at home, so. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you're questioning a, a pit, don't, you know, give them an opportunity just like any other dog. Um, you know, and not to say all chihuahuas are biters either. Uh, you know, yeah. some of them are very sweet and docile too. And then some are just, you know, 50% anger, 50% tremble. And that's pretty much ours. So, you know, give your, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. If you have a chihuahua, 50% anger, 50% tremble. I'm going to bark at you while I'm running away from you. So that's it. Um, you know, Hillary, just with some of your cases that you have tried, um, Talk about some of the, like, okay, if you have a misdemeanor case, if somebody gets tried and convicted for a misdemeanor, I'm guessing that just like in any case in law enforcement, all the sentences can vary. You can have some very small ones, some no time in custody at all, but restricted from animals. And you said the one that you had, the biggest one was 15 years. Um, So talk about, uh, you know, just some of the punishments and sentences outside of years in prison, so to speak. Well, you know, in misdemeanors, general rule is it can go up to a year in county jail. Understand, felonies can also be local time, but felonies also can extend to prison. So your misdemeanors, you have six-month misdemeanors, where six months is is the max, and then the general misdemeanor statutes, which are up to 12 months. You're never going to get to prison if you plead to a misdemeanor, all right? plead to a felony and you have no record at all, you could get five months. You could get six months. You know, I mean, it's not unusual to see a first degree burglary uh, get six months, a guy who's got no record and that's breaking into a house. So you have to kind of keep things in perspective. But there are just some things that are so horrific and so egregious that they warrant prison. 
know, we had a, uh, a guy who the shelter was closed and he was insistent on not keeping his girlfriend's dog and weighted it down and threw it in the Sacramento River. He did three years. Unbelievable. He didn't expect to do three years. To me, that wasn't enough. No, it isn't. Because actually, when he threw it in, it was not a good death. He didn't weigh it down enough, and it was a bad, bad deal. And it was found by a, a father walking his little boy on the river. So it, it's, um, I think that the biggest takeaway should be that this occurs far more commonly than people recognize. Mm-hmm. And whether it's neglect, which is the most prevalent level of abuse, you know, I don't care if it's somebody that's living in the Fab 40s making several million dollars a year. He goes out of town and decides it's just a dog and he doesn't fill the water bowl and he doesn't feed it and he figures, I'll be back on Monday. That's a level of neglect right there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that could be easily cured with a level of education. I think there should be education at the point of adoption. I think anyone walking, I mean, I have this idealistic, maybe, maybe over idealistic, maybe the resources aren't there. But to me, if you're walking into a shelter and you're adopting a dog, it shouldn't be passed out like free cheese. You should have to undergo an interactive educational program on a computer for about a half an hour, get a little certificate and walk away understanding the needs of that animal. Nothing wrong with that, because if you really, truly want that dog or animal, you'll sit for a half hour to go through Well, it. and that is the time to do it. When your brain mm-hmm. is open, you've already found the one you want, they're debating and you're doing the paperwork, and th- that is the opportune time. Seize that mm-hmm. if you're working in a shelter to educate. And it wouldn't be that tough. You know, it really wouldn't be that tough to have a trailer with five or six computers in every language. And there are computer programs and and um, software out there. Way, uh, down in Southern California a few years ago, offenders had to take a course that was on computer. I went through the course and saw it. It was done by uh, Deborah Non down in Los Angeles and it was phenomenal, a phenomenal uh, software. And we could borrow part of that. Yeah, we could there do are that so and... many things we could do. But, you know, the, the movement right now is to get them out the door and have there no, be no hindrance whatsoever and just pass them out because of the saturation and the surplus. We've got to work on this spay and neuter. We've got to make spay and neuter sexy and groovy and cool and everything it hasn't been for so long. We've got to hit the, the airways. We've got to have public service announcements. We've got to educate people as to why it's important and how many are being killed because we have neglected the emphasis on it. Um, and just to give a little credit to our, our shelter, especially Bradshaw, because yeah. Annette, you know, you just trusted me with this. You know, you had no idea what kind of weirdo I am. <laughs> and you just agreed, you know, and that shows your level of passion for the animals. I want to give a little credit to all of those out there working in the shelters um, veterinarians, um, you guys are overwhelmed, overworked, quite frankly, in my opinion, underpaid. All the people who work Agreed. there cleaning out cages, um, yeah. you know, doing all that extra work. And like Hillary said, there's there's got to be some type of education program for our schools that we can get involved in. So if you are if you're an educator in a school or an administrator for a school, Make a program of your own. You don't need to contact the shelter. That's right. They could potentially bring out um, a few dogs that are super kid-friendly and stuff to your school to let the kids interact and really p- and play with them and learn some basic dog etiquette. 
And I mean, what a cool day for some kids. If it's a extra day or you guys are short, you can't go to a field trip, have the shelter come out with a couple of dogs. Um, you know, and, and we would love that, you know, and if you are some type of person who knows computers knows and you want to volunteer you you don't even like animals but you want to volunteer but you understand computers go to the shelter you can help them with some videos or programs or whatever's online um you know annette i'm gonna let you touch real quick on how people can get involved sure you know before we before we get to the end here i mean if people are listening and you want to get involved in some type of way you can um I would like to share that message. Also, I'd like to touch just a little bit on the neglect. Please do. Because I am, um, I'm just starting to see signs of this, and I hope it doesn't go anywhere. But usually what you see during a time of the economy and inflation, um, we deal with horses. And a lot of times you see that horses are very expensive. Mm-hmm. We just don't deal with dogs and cats. We deal with horses, too. Mm-hmm. And so um, just starting to see signs of people not being able to afford horses. And they don't realize it, but it goes on too long. And then all of a sudden, you've got a, a dying horse on your hands. And got it. I call it uh, abuse. Absolutely. It is considered animal abuse, whether you have intentions or not, whatever you want to call it. But take care of business when it comes to horses. Horses are very expensive to maintain and keep they need their hooves you know mm-hmm. trimmed on a regular basis uh, they have to have a very high quality of food you can't just throw out a bale of hay and think that's it and call it a day um, they're very expensive and we've had a couple different calls recently about that same exact situation where we've, we've had to cons- confiscate horses um, because of that i'm glad and- you touched on that and and i focused a lot on dogs brandon we we did in, in a little bit on cats because we're just dog lovers you know and, yeah. and that's just the most common animal but it yes is. Horses, um, if you're a horse lover, I know some friends that are horse lovers and, you know, you have a different mind because those people who loves ho- love the horses, you know, they just have this different passion. And like you said, they're yes. very, very expensive to board, yes. to maintain, to feed, to have veterinarian services. You can't just take a horse to the vet. So you have to have somebody come out. So, you know, if, uh, if you're a horse person, get a horse, but take care of it. Like, like she said. Take so I'm, care I'm, of it. And a lot of times we don't get to prosecute the horse cases because these people, uh, all of a sudden, these horses become stray animals, right? Oh, um, okay. So there's nobody to find who belongs to these horses. Not always in every situation, but yeah, all of a sudden you have stray horses or good people in the community who find these stray horses and they bring them to our attention. And I'm sure um, folks who are horse people, because you got to be a special person to know what to do with horses. To be quite honest with you, they kind of frighten me. They're beautiful creatures, but they're... They are beautiful, you yes. Know, <laughs> I'm a little bitty person, and those big, huge horses, they kind of frighten me a little bit. They probably shouldn't, but um, it is what it is. I'm not a huge horse person, but if you are a horse person, I'm sure they can use your help. Um, yes. There's probably a bunch of use for folks who just simply know how to ride how to take care of, how to, you know, just want to stand around a pet and play with them or whatever horses need. Um, so if that's how you want to get involved, you can contact them. Um, adoption fees are what right now, Annette? Right now, well, we have clear the shelter month in the month of August. So adoption fees for dogs and cats are waived on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, normally right now, the special for dogs is $50. And that includes your dog is getting spayed or neutered and completely vaccinated up to date um, and you get to take a dog home uh, cats are 50 or two for 75 
we want to increase the level of cats going home and they do better when they're in pairs they play together and they love each other so two for 75 and they also come spayed neutered and vaccinated that's awesome 75 for two cats yes and 50 for a dog saturdays yes. and sundays at the bradshaw shelter the fees are waived just for the month of august just for august uh but just because the fees are waived and the fees are small um don't just like we said i'm gonna stress it you don't just grab a dog or a cat and go home and you get tired of it in a couple months and you bring it back do not do that do so, not do that um as far as donating if people want to get involved just by sending money in to help out, I'm sure you guys will accept that. We always accept uh, monetary donations at Bradshaw Animal Shelter. Also, the community is very giving about going on to Amazon mm. and just ordering supplies for our, like our foster parents because we can never have enough supplies for the fosters. Um, or we distribute a lot of the donations to the homeless dogs out there experiencing homelessness. Um, and Amazon delivers us regularly it's very easy That's for wonderful. somebody who just wants to sit at home and just send the donations delivered by amazon so i'll put uh we'll put the links um to make sure people know exactly you know how to get that exact uh, address for the donations from amazon as far as um let's say hiring are you guys hiring yes we are go please to sacramento county <laughs> a website we are hiring we are hiring a full-time veterinarian which as we know they're uh Boy, if anybody has any children or grandchildren that need to go to college and need a career, become a veterinarian. There is a national shortage of veterinarians. We are definitely hiring one full-time veterinarian um, to get back on our Batmobile, our mobile, our mobile spay and neuter clinic out on the streets. We are also hiring uh, registered veterinarian technicians. We are hiring shelter workers, and we are hiring officers. So please apply today. It's pretty awesome. Just to be a shelter worker. Um, I'm guessing all the other positions are definitely ones that you need to be qualified for. Correct. But to be a shelter worker, I'm pretty sure that the qualifications are, are not too high. It's an entry-level job. Perfect. So get your foot in the door uh, working with the animals in the shelter. So when you adopt an animal, are they also microchipped as well? Yes, they are microchipped. Thank you. Yes, they do come microchipped, spayed and neutered, and vaccinated. Awesome. That's great. And that microchip goes to your phone number, your address. So if the dog were to get out... Uh, you know, get your pet home faster. Good. I, I saw, um, I, in fact, I followed Bradshaw Animal Shelter on Facebook and I saw that they, Excellent. that you were doing a program where you can actually come and hang out with the animals on 4th of July. So when the fireworks are going off, you can, you can play with the animals, calm them, play music. Um, oh my gosh. You're talking about our 4th of July program. Yes, I oh am. Oh my gosh. I was there that day. I have to tell you, our community just brought tears to my eyes. I was there on 4th of July and people were lined up at our front doors. I'm telling you, there was a couple hundred people lined up to come in and read to our dogs and play music. This one gentleman brought in his guitar just so that our animals would not be afraid because of the fireworks. It was quite amazing. That is cool. I mean, it really, it really was. And you it can bring was... your kids to do that. Yes, families came in together. That's so cool. I was That's like, so cool. this speaks volumes for the Sacramento community when they're coming to do this on their 4th of July evening instead of watching fireworks. They're coming in to keep our dogs very happy and content. And actually, some of the volunteers are like, your dogs fell asleep, actually, oh, with us cool. reading. That's great. And we had people come read to the cats. Um, yeah, it just... And do you, remarkable on, day. on the other side of the spectrum of that, though, do you see an influx of animals coming into the shelters after the 4th of July from 
being do. spooked and July is always away. the busiest month of the year for is most it? shelters. Yeah. It's usually when my hair is going to fall out or turn gray. <laughs> but, um, you know, usually because it's cat season for one, right? You know, so uh, cats historically breed in the summer. So there's more, more cats coming into the shelter and then the dogs because they get lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we have over 700 pets um, in foster homes. Those are homes outside of the shelter. And then we run about 400 pets actually in the shelter. So I'm glad that you saw this on Facebook because that's another uh, important piece for us as a a very, as a successful shelter, we need to have a more established presence uh, on the Bradshaw Animal Shelter Facebook. And so we're trying to increase our reach and we've just uh, are in the process of hiring a full-time PIO because Sacramento County has seen how valuable uh, it is for yeah, us. Absolutely. We do need that for a full-time PIO. Well, you know, Annette, I'd like to say before you get your full-time PIO, I will volunteer to come out and do any PIO stuff for you guys. Oh, yay. We're going to invite you out, Lacey. Okay. I'll come out and speak on behalf of your shelter on In the your animals. limited spare time with everything <laughs> okay. you do. <laughs> it's the animals for me. Um, Great. So I would like to thank Annette Bedsworth from Sacramento County, the new director, Hillary Bagley, retired deputy district attorney for Sacramento County. The, the knowledge and passion here that the two of you have and, and share be, between you, I, I wish we can clone you both and, and teach it and pass it down. Hillary, I hope you're teaching classes of some type to new attorneys or people in law school. Please, if you aren't, go talk to them because I know that there's somebody else that can be maybe even half. I have so many PowerPoints. You have no idea. <laughs> Good. Uh, you let me know where I'm, I think the academy needs a, a permanent spot well you, you know. know your name in sacramento county is etched forever so i'm pretty oh, sure definitely. just call me okay definitely. Um, anybody can call me and and listeners and viewers thank you again second episode of connect with me and brandon angel at the rob anybody and don studios i can't thank them enough brandon just for believing in what we're doing and getting people's voices out there to make the world a better place if you would like to contact me directly you can on social media uh lacy nelson you can send me an email lacy at lacy if you have a topic that is something like this um you know and i have some stuff planned every two weeks we're going to be doing these podcasts i have some guests planned for the future that will blow you guys away seriously with some of the stories and just depth of things in the world happening and the way that we can bridge the gap everywhere. So please send me information, emails, suggestions, comments. I'm open to it all. Um, Brandon as well. Members.radradio.com is how you subscribe to these podcasts. And you get, what else do they get with that subscription? Oh, you get a ton of net, ton of stuff. Uh, you can you can get the exclusive content from the Rob Anybody and Don show. You can watch the show live every morning, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, but of course, you get the live experience of Lacey Nelson's Connect podcast as well every other Friday at 11 a.m. If you haven't listened to Rad Radio in the mornings, you guys are missing out. Some of the best, funniest uh, back and forth conversation you can find in town. If you're sitting at your desk at work and you're bored and you need something to listen to while you do your payroll spreadsheets or whatever you're working on, subscribe to that channel. Listen to them in the mornings. Watch them. It's a good time. Make you smile. Make you laugh. Our podcast will probably usually bring a tear to the eye because we're talking about some deep stuff but um it's worth it you know we're saving people we're saving animals we're bringing our people back together this is how we make our world a better place so again follow us all on social media bradshaw animal shelter follow them on facebook 
and I'll be getting out there to the shelter to get some maybe videos and pictures, especially of Boomer. We need to get Boomer adopted. Yes, we do. And get uh, more animals the attention that they deserve. So thank Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. See you next uh, two weeks from now on the next podcast, Connect with Lacey Nelson. Have a good Friday and a good weekend, everyone. Thank you, Lacey.